0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show as well. I'm going to engage her because she can't. She's an authoress. She knows how to write, and she's writing about things that that are near and dear to my heart. Her book is called Wandering in Strange Lands, A Daughter of the Great Migration Reclaims Her Roots. Let me welcome senior editor at Zara, the one and only Morgan Jerkins. Welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming through. Well, I, you know, I was really intrigued because my uh, grandfather, uh, Buck, uh, an amazing human being, was mm-hmm. born and raised in Geechee Gulla, Somerville, South Carolina. And Hello. so I spent, when I went to Augusta to visit my grandmother, because they divorced, I would go right over the border into Somerville to visit my granddaddy and his new wife. Well, she, they ended up being married like 40 years, Naomi, and I would spend a portion of my summers in Somerville. So that mm-hmm. Geechee Gullen, I couldn't understand a thing he was saying most of the time. But uh, <laughs> so I was intrigued by this book. So tell me, tell me your story a little bit. Before we get to it, though, Morgan, we're having this debate right now about Uh-oh. the Cardi B- Make it these down. You you look like you're a young person. You look very young. At least you probably moisturize very well, I and do. Uh, yes, you probably do. And um, I'm struggling right now with that image of uh, us just that everything's just wet and gushy, and that's it.
1: That's I'm just I'm struggling. Um, I don't like the word gushy. I just don't. I don't even even read this one. Mm-mm. And I'll be honest with you, I have not seen the video in its entirety yet. Um, because I am on the Internet a lot, um, and I wanted to wait until the hype settled down so I can really gauge if I like it or not. But, I mean, I'm fascinated with just some backlash against these grown women talking about their genitalia as if Little Kim wasn't doing that hardcore, as if Foxy Brown wasn't doing that either. Um, it has been a lot of backlash over the weekend. I mean, for me, I don't like the scrub. I don't want to hear anything about this from time to time, but I also am like, well, these girls are doing it, you know? All right. Let me ask you this, Morgan, (laughs) because
0: because image, you know, as you as you write in your book, you're talking about, you know, your people and your legacy and and what's been taken from us. Right. And and the Geechee Gullah story is just a microcosm of what has happened all over the country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Part of that is because people don't see us or they see us through the lens of these tropes. Right. Mm -hmm, Through the mm -hmm. lens of these stereotypes. And as a young woman, you Mm know, if this is projected out into the globe which it is Mm -hmm. and you go to another country they're Mm -hmm. expecting you to show up like a megan Thee stallion or a cardi Mm. b and how do you feel like if somebody wants to slap your ass when you get off an airplane
1: well i will say this when i go overseas and i travel overseas a lot i've been to japan i've been to egypt i've been to rome I've never had someone want to slap my behind because of Cardi B or Megan Thee Stallion. Um, Yet. Wait, you haven't traveled now after gushy, wet, whoppy-dop, slop-top, poppity-pop, hip-hop. I will say this. Even when Nicki Minaj came out with Anaconda, I wasn't getting that. Now, I live in Harlem, and there was a time where men on the street just wanted to slap my behind because, just because I was a woman on the street. I think what's interesting about Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B is that They are multidimensional. You see Cardi B, she's in conversation about politics with uh, Bernie Sanders. You see Megan Thee Stallion, she's getting her degree. So it's not like they're just talking about sex, 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 sex all the time. They can do a wide range of things, and I think that is what improves their marketability and makes them very relatable as women. So if people come to me and be like, well, Megan Thee Stallion is doing this, she's talking about sex, I'm like, but they're working on their legacy of other rappers. That have talked about sex, and they also are very intelligent. They're funny, and I think they have long careers ahead of them. So whatever they do should not have should not. Now, granted, black women are often stereotyped a lot, but if people can't take the time to do a quick Google search on what all these women are doing aside from talking about sex, that's their problem, not mine. Well, you know, damn well, they're
0: not going to do a Google search of all of that. All right. Morgan Jerkins. And and as a journalist and as a writer, you know, damn well that if somebody in the media and we had this conversation about the N word being used and how Hebrews got bleeped out of the Benjamins and how the Uh K word got bleeped out of the Michael Jackson song, because some people understand the fierce protection of your Your legacy and your image and how powerful mm-hmm. it is when it 's allowed to, be go- to to be projected out unfettered, unchecked, and challenged, right. and I hear what you 're saying, but what if it is a tool or a weapon to keep us in a particular position that 's why you promote and you put money and you put resources behind something like a gushy wop, nasty this, and you don 't celebrate somebody like Rhapsody uh, at the level that you should or bah- Bahamedia or or the, the myriad of others chica. Others who are out there rapping and talking and singing about things that are deep and, you know, a little bit more challenging
1: right i think that's that's another conversation added on to this about the music industry because there have been many conversations before about how the music industry doesn't support black women period even Nicki minaj who at one point was uncontested as far as female rappers went for a decade was like they still ain't helped me out and she was singing about watching stuff too you know and i think for me and this goes into my book is that black people are diverse Black people are distinct. And even though we are our ancestors or people we know right now suffering from land displacement and, you know, and state violence and all those different things, many narratives should exist at once. And that's why me as a writer and a journalist, I am very careful about rhetoric, what people use to talk about Black women. And I think you and I, both of those professionals, we can tell when someone's talking to us and they're not trying to converse in good faith. They're trying to rile us up and they're trying to, make, they're trying to pigeonhole us. And I think it's important that me and you can do the work that we do alongside other black women to do the work that we may not always agree with. But the fact that they're still existing and thriving and doing what they want to do speaks to the multitudes of black female identity in general. And I think that that's important.
0: I, I And I know Drew wants to get in. It's like a big double dutch, but I'm, I'm r- hitting this rope fast so it's just me and Morgan right now I'm spinning it because as, as you're talking while I completely 100% agree with what you're saying in the back of my mind I'm also mindful that the the options right if, if, if mm-hmm. I'm able to project this out as an option like Drew a lyric I, you think I made this money cooking and cleaning so yeah. you're, you're subliminally and also telling mm-hmm. me overtly for a young girl that's in school right now that doesn't have mm-hmm. your your acumen, Morgan, that's not, you know, mm-hmm. wired the way you are to achieve certain things. Hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a pathway to 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 get all of the money, all of the Birkin bags and the shoes, red bottoms and mm-hmm. live my life, have these nails, this hair and all of this. I want that mm-hmm. lifestyle. I'm, I, I want that Lamborghini and I can get mm-hmm. it because Cardi said I can do it with my
1: wet and gush. Boom. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I dropped that. So I think for me, I think what you said in the beginning was something so important was the option. For me personally, I want black women to be able to choose what they want to do and often be afforded opportunities they weren't afforded in the past. Now, granted, I'm not a Gen Zer. I'm a millennial, and when I was growing up, now granted, I don't know if it was like wet and gushy, but there were also very explicit songs. that I was singing them. I was getting in trouble singing them before Sunday service started. That was me, you know what I'm saying? But people didn't write me off then, because I chose to say, okay, let me go to college, let me go to grad school. But I have other female friends of mine. When certain songs come on, we even are shocked how explicit they are and how we were singing them at a young age and we chose different things. So I think... I believe that there might be some people who look at Cardi B or can look at anybody on Instagram at this moment right now and be like, oh, I wanna s I want this because I see them, you know, advertising X, Y, and Z. But there may be other black girls that are like, I like this song, you know, it's about, as we say, but I still wanna go to, you know, be a beautician. I still wanna be an anesthesiologist. It's all about accepting the multitudes. That just because somebody listens to this music, that doesn't mean they're going to go down the same path as someone. And even if they go down the same path as someone, that's their option. That's their choice.
0: 866-801-8255. Yes, we do want options. But in a country right now where black folk are literally fighting for our lives, I don't know if I want me personally us mm-hmm. to have to have this conversation right now when Chicago and Portland and all over Mike Brown we celebrated his 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 murder yesterday mm-hmm. and it's like yeah we're still in a racial pandemic Can we do better? Should we do better? Should there be an inside way? Yes. Where you and your girls can have this conversation, but you got in trouble for it because it wasn't quite right. But yeah, we're going to always from time immemorial have kids that are going to be sneaking and listening to things they shouldn't be, but we know Mm -hmm. what right and wrong is. And I think we've lost that compass. And I think there's a blurred existence right now where we don't know what's right and wrong. A lot of Mm -hmm. people. And that's Mm -hmm. the trouble that I have right now. Eight, six, six, eight, zero one, eight, two, five. All right, Drew. Go ahead. I slowed the rope down.
2: <laughs> All I want to say, Karen, is I'm thinking about it like this right here. One is it is it there is a modicum of inside and outside to it because this song is not going to be played on the radio. Like if you if you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go out and search for this song as opposed to it just showing up in your earshot without you having any control over that. What's so,
3: radio, Drew?
0: Who's listening to the radio right now?
2: But I'm saying, it's, it's, it's knock not, it off.
0: listening to damn radio.
2: It's not like you're gonna accidentally hear this song. You got to go out and look for this song to hear it. You're not gonna accidentally hear this song unless you are unless you in a club somewhere, right? Like that's number one. Number two, I mean, this is this may be splitting hairs, but um, but the song does sort of give you um, some options uh, and some. Um, some modicum of women taking control of their own sexuality. I'm not a woman, so I can't say I can't say that um, from a from an internal standpoint or whatever. But Megan actually doesn't say I uh, uh, this dude needs to go out and buy me a bag or buy me a car. She says she can pay my tuition, right? So that's a different kind of rap perspective. She when she says that she's like, you know, yo, I made him pay my tuition. This is a sister that said I got it. I'm going to get you to I'm a, I got this. I'm going to get you to do this for me, but I'm going to flip it like how I want to flip it because I'm in control. I'm in control of this I can't situation
0: we having this conversation. I'm in control of my body.
2: I'm in control this of my destiny, my destiny is, and I got some choices shit. and some options. Now, that's not that's not the story for every single person, but I got to say that I got to say that that's that there's
4: a difference there.
0: Okay. Right? All right. Um we are in the last days where we call it right, wrong, and wrong, right. I said it, and I I can't believe we are justifying something that all of us in this room right now know is dead wrong. I I know we know it. I know we know it. Like I know you. I'm I'm looking at y'all right now. Y'all are, y'all about some bull crap. Both of y'all. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five. I love y'all, but y'all know y'all know what I'm saying is right. Anyway, all right. But that's not why Morgan is here. But guy, you could
1: you could challenge me. Go ahead, Morgan. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, I'm like, the funny thing is, and I think this goes to, like, the digital age where everything is so fast, and you have to react so fast, especially if you're in the media, is that, like, when I look Cardi B and Megan, I'm like, granted, Cardi B magnifies her vulgarity when she's on these IG lives and stuff talking about it, but they working out of a tradition. Like, they work out of a long tradition of black women talking very, talking perversely. About their about their body. And I'm not even just talking about, like I said earlier, the Little Kims and the Foxy Froggy of the 90s. I'm talking about, who is her name? Well, Melly Jackson? Was that like thing? Melly Jackson 70s, did not talk 80s. about
0: her gushy,
1: uh, Okay, I'm going to go back ever. further. I'm going to go back further. Come 1920, on. 1920, Bessie Smith. If you listen okay. to Till the Cows Go Home, that was a 100 yeah. years ago. But that was couched in cleverly within allegory. Yeah. Ooh, no, she no, no, didn't no, co- no, no, no. What's she saying?
3: Oh. Uh-uh. come on that
1: was yeah, let me, bo- now when you making me Google song, right now in real time the come home, if you look up those lyrics in the 1920s and we're talking about lynchings, we're talking about Jim Crow we're talking about massive racial terrorism right now and that was a tough time too people say it no oh was, okay yeah dope. baby
0: I'll suck your d- okay oh
1: talking wow look now, I just learned
0: you better Trina, this is why let me tell you this is why and again you know we need to have adult conversations. We need to have them out of our emotions. Like I'm good. I'm good. I'm sitting back. You just brought something. You dropped something to the table. Now I had to go and Google search and do do I'm some research. Yeah, I got a man I love. I got a man I like. Every time I f them men's, I give them the doggone clap. Wow, she giving people venereal diseases and talking about it. Okay,
1: I'm wrong. Okay, look. Look, <laughs> wow. You are, <laughs> what are
0: right.
3: You,
0: what? I got I'm wrong. I'm going I'm to sit back. Yes. This is why it's important to talk to people smarter than you about a topic and ask I'm questions. You got when that working.
1: I'm just saying, I mean, in my book, I tell you, I'll say it like oftentimes the past and the present with some African-American experiences, they converge with each other. They will work out of a hundred year old legacy. This ain't nothing. Have y'all grown up in Christian tradition? Ain't nothing new under the sun. This is not new. It's not.
2: All right. It, it, draw, it, it even takes take me back to LaWanda Page. How she how she would talk about you know Aunt Esther, who uh, from Sanford and Son fame. But LaWanda Page was an amazing comedian in her own right. And I used to listen to the to the record, the LaWanda Page records on the sneak sneak in the house. And she would be talking about how. Her legs is long and brown and like and they spread like peanut butter and I was oh excited. my
1: lord, oh,
0: my God. no, nothing, oh, nothing beats this Bessie Smith till the yeah, cows come Bessie home. Smith, yeah, yo, she just dropped. All right, I gotta shut up now. All right. So tell me about your book, Morgan. Look at that. Look at that pivot. I mean, uh, tell me about do I this book, Morgan Jenkins. That, that was a great intro. I don't even know what to start anymore. <laughs> tell me about this. Okay, I'm, I'm going to help you out, right? Because yeah. I was reading it. Brilliant job, by the way. And and this is, Thank we you. need more cultural anthropologists because, you know, when I think about the Zora Neale Hurstons and the people who preserve the legacy okay. of our people, yeah, you know, this you. this is important, right? And if we don't tell yeah. our stories and our voices the way the options that we need to have are going to come from us. And this right. is this is so important. So right. tell me your Geechee, your Geechee story first before we get into the book.
1: So we all know America's big. I make, I make comments about it all the time. I say, why does it take me six hours to go to Los Angeles on a flight? Six hours, I could be in Spain. And I was not joking. So I was like, okay, when it comes to African-American history, I knew I had to start in the South. But where in the South? When the South is so vast. And one of the... I would say the most vital parts of my life as a black American woman is food. I know if I go to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles in Los Angeles or Sylvia's in Harlem or somewhere down in Texas or North Carolina, I can get collard greens. I can get mac and cheese and all of that. And when I looked at that category, I said, "Okay, so what is something that intrigues me about food beyond the ingredients, beyond what time we meet? And one of the things was New Year's Day. For as long as I can remember, you ate collard greens for money and black-eyed black peas eyed for luck. And when I asked my mother why, she said it's just something we do. And I said, "Oh, okay." She doesn't know, so that's my job as an investigator to figure out why. And on one of the particular Goya products, I looked on the bag, just looked on the bag, and I saw a recipe for black-eyed peas, and it was called Hoppin' John. When I looked up Hoppin' John. I realized that that tradition of collard greens and black art people, they came from low country South Carolina and particularly from Gullah Geechee people, who, by the way, are said to be one of the only what has to be the only African-American group, subethnic group that has the highest retention rate of West African tradition. Um, It's it's also said that 80 percent of the enslaved Africans that came to the colonies crossed a Charleston, South Carolina dock. So if that's the case, we're all indebted to them. So I decided, let me just start there with the sea island.
0: Wow. 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 As, as, uh, as you're talking, I think, you know, on Saturdays, I have this conversation with the great car, cause I like talking to smart people and okay. we drop breadcrumbs. Right. And I, and I say to people, you know, um, uh, breadcrumbs are important because that's how you find your way home. Right. Breadcrumbs mm-hmm. are how you find your way home. You took a breadcrumb mm-hmm. from your mother, didn't have an answer went to a recipe, took that, researched, pulled another thread, followed another breadcrumb to get to a place. And I think a lot of us, that kind of curiosity followed with action is what mm-hmm. most of us need to, to examine and what Morgan Jerkins did
1: with this discovery well, and this book. Well, I'll be honest with you. My curiosity is also one of my greatest insecurities. Uh, when we were talking earlier about black women having the right to choose, I have been very privileged and blessed in my life that I haven't had many people say to me, you know what, maybe you need to redirect. Maybe you need to restrain your curiosity a little bit because what you're trying to do isn't possible is it possible for you because you as a black woman don't have the access. I've been so conditioned to believe that there has to be these strict parameters. So when I had all these these curiosities about my own people, there were many times throughout the book that I had to get out of my own way, even with the with the facts that I didn't like, in order to make these uh, discoveries.
0: Wow! Tell me a tell me a couple of facts you didn't like.
1: Oh, man. Okay, so I say this in every interview, and every interviewer laughs because they understand. I'm a product of the public school system. The way that I was taught about black life was very streamlined, very narrow. Your ancestors were captured from from or near the west coast of the African continent. They were brought over via the Atlantic Ocean, the uh, the transatlantic slave trade to the colonies, slavery, emancipation, reconstruction, Harlem Renaissance, civil rights, Obama. That was it. (laughs) I was taught, I was never taught that there were free people of color or free black people prior to Lincoln. I was never taught that there were black slave owners, thousands of them, prior to Lincoln, even though there were sl- black slave owners who who had their families as slaves and bought their family members in order to free them, but they still participated in the plantation economy. I was not taught that during the Trail of Tears, which is when former President Andrew Jackson, 1834, Five tribes, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, the Seminole, and the Creeks. He forced them from the South, west of the Mississippi and Indian Territory in Oklahoma, which now known as Oklahoma. I wasn't taught that black people accompanied them on that trip, whether they were free or enslaved. I didn't know there were Native American tribes that enslaved black people. I had no idea. So all of this history, it, it really complicates Black identity, right? That because we talk a lot about how Black people are a monolith. American Black people are not a monolith, and I really was able to understand that viscerally when I went into these communities.
2: Wow. So listen, Morgan, I I have have had conversations with people who are desperately trying to like track down their family stories and. Mm-hmm done is, you know, is taking a look at history and then made it so personal to a whole, you know, to a whole group of people. If you're, if if you're, there are people out there listening that want to, like, start their journey, their own sort of anthropological journey about just their own family, any, any, any thoughts around what that journey looks and feels like and what that first step was for you on the journey?
1: Okay. So one of the steps for the journey, because I actually went backwards. I traveled, taught the people, and I wasn't trying to make this book personal. My first book, um, This Will Be Mine was extremely personal. And I think psychologically, I just closed up a bit. Why well, I didn't want to go there again. Um, And my editors were like, huh, girl, they didn't say anything. I'm like, girl, how are you going to write about the great migration and black people migrating, and you were part of that story? Like, how are you going to try to extract this? You have a stake in it, which is why you understand that so you have to. Talk to family members. So talk to family members. Talk to the oldest people of your family. Ask them, you know, if you know for a fact that your family wasn't several generations in this, uh, you know, in wherever town you're in, ask the elders, like, where were they born? Ask what their uh, their grandparents or their uh, their parents' names were. Where did they live? How old were they when they passed? Certain things like that also look at census records because this is why taking the census is so important so your, your your children and your children's children can find you because on census records if you have a name any name you can find census records and you can see not only your ancestors name their age their gender and what they did for them but also other people in the household so then yeah. you can research them as well so those are the vital steps if you can get anybody's name at a town or a time frame where they were there, then you're on your way. Like
2: and that. ask your ask your oldest relatives what those oldest. relatives' real names were, because sometimes <laughs> what we call them is not what their actual real names were, too.
1: Right. And also census-wise, pay attention to different spellings of the same name. So, for example, um, and I said this in an interview before, but, like, for my people in Louisiana, like Fontenot, F-O-N-T-E-N-O-T, I'm related to Fontanette, which is F-O-N-T-E-N-E-T-T-E. It's another, it's another derivative of that name. So pay attention to different names. Like, it sounds the same, and you see they're on the same census, which means they probably live near each other, because that might be family members, too.
2: Mm. All right, Morgan, I'm going to take it one step, like, like, even more elementary, more basic. Like, oh, okay, where, okay. where are you finding these census records? You going to the public okay. library? Where no, you get yeah. this?
1: Ancestry.com, Ancestry.com, um, all you need is a name. And you don't even need an exact birth date. If you just get a little bit within five years or so, you can find names. Um, archives.com also has census records. You look at uh, birth certificates, death records, marriage certificates. They have them. Also, um, UCL, which is university college based in London, they have slave records. For any of the British colonies where you can look up a family name and if any of it overlaps with the areas that they were in, that might be your ancestor. I found one of my earliest ancestors on there. You can find um, the UCL records. You can type them in on on Google. Uh, They have a partnership with Ancestry.com. And if you have have any family based in Louisiana, Louisiana has huge slave records. Um, Another thing you want to look at is um, Catholic churches. Catholic church, especially in the South, they often keep records like baptismal records, for example, communion records. That's another place to look, too. Oh, man. You just, uh, and as you're
0: talking, you know, we just, uh, I posted a video of Larry Favors talking about the census. And, I, and every time somebody's like, I'm not filling that out. Just think about 100 years from now, somebody trying to track you down, or 200 years from now, you know. Exactly. To not exactly. fill this out is to break the chain of your legacy. Like, if, right, if you're not right. thinking about it from a resource standpoint, think about it from a legacy standpoint where you're not filling it out means that somebody can't trace something to do with your family
1: because you decided to be selfish. Let your descendants find you. And let me just say this, like, we never know what's going to happen with this reparations talk. And if they can't prove that you lived in this certain area or you, or you were part of a different community, you might not have access to what might come because they can't find you in these records.
3: Wow, eight six eight, I six. six, six. About that
0: either. Yeah, I Keep mean, there's the levels to this. And Morgan Jerkins, tell me, tell me, you you grew up where? Where are you from originally? South Jersey. Oh. Okay, all right. So how how did South Jersey public school product? How did you go on this particular path to become this person? Oh, to, to be a writer? Yeah.
1: I mean, I will say this. Like, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. My dad's a doctor, you know, the little kids would know him to be doctor, lawyer. Um, and the turning point was actually high school. Um, I was bullied a lot, and I'm not a confrontational person. And I wasn't trying to get in any fights because I was trying to go to college. So I was like, I'm afraid to even do anything. And so I internalized a lot. And what I did was writing was at first a therapeutic vent for me. And so from there, I was like, I actually like writing. I, like, I use it as a form of escape. And that's what I just continued to do. I went to college, I continued to write, and then I went on to grad school. And then I, um, at the same time of going to grad school, I started writing professionally online because otherwise I wasn't getting an entry level job. I, I thought I did everything right. And what I mean by everything right is I graduated from the Ivy League university, I did the unpaid internships, and I still could not get an entry level job that was paying me no more than 38K a year in Manhattan. Wow.
0: Wandering in strange lands, a daughter of the Great Migration. I read um, Isabella Wilkinson's "The Warmth of Other Sons" mm-hmm. a bunch of years ago. She now has a new book out. Did you? Mm-hmm. Was this uh, kind of a foundational piece to to
1: follow your journey here? Did you read that? Yeah, I read parts of it. I love the way it starts, where she talks about all these people making a move, all them getting their things, and I wanted that same sense of urgency. I wanted that same pulse to be throughout the book so that was definitely foundation that oh yes black women can write about these narratives and they can be successful off of in the mainstream okay and then I also thought about of course Zora, Zora Neale Hurston because like her you know I, I came to Harlem like her both studied at Columbia University and like her I was also, I was interested in the overlooked I won't necessarily say forgotten because some people, they were never forgotten, but often overlooked parts of African-American lives in the mainstream discourse that she was so steadfast and bringing to the forefront. So those two definitely were, were foundational for this book. Tell me about Mitchellville, South Carolina and Hilton Head. Mitchell, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Really? Yeah, you shaking the table. The reason why I'm saying that is because I just had an excerpt of it published in the New York Times and it was creating a little bit of a ripple effect, um, about what I wrote. So Hill Head is one of the most premier vacation resorts, I would say, um, in the United States. I mean, Conde Nast, if I'm not mistaken, or you know, one of those travel magazines raised it like the number two or number one two years in a row. Um, and Hill and Head was interesting because I'll just say in Gullah Geechee, Gullah Geechee people in, in, in the county in which Hilton Head is, is located, they owned 14 million acres at that time. They've lost that many, you know, wow. and Hilton Head is perverse. What I mean by that is the lie between leisure and slavery or the memories of it is very thin because as I was driving into Hilton Head from Savannah, which I mentioned is one of the most beautiful jobs I've ever gone on. You see plantation everywhere, plantation cafe, plantation cabinetry, plantation road, And then the gated communities there are named after former plantations. And then to take it a step further, some of the descendants goggie you know some of the descendants of those who were enslaved in hill head they're buried in these plantations these, these gated communities and they can't access them freely they either got to pay a fine or something or they got to rely on the goodwill of people to access these burial grounds according to south carolina law and so what happens is there's this extreme amputation of gully get people from the land and the water. And that's why when we talk about reparations, it's deeper than just giving back money. I was with a man, his name is Taiwan Scott, Ty for short, and he is a real estate agent, one of the few black real estate agents on the island. And he actually drove me to the water, to the beach, and he told me this used to be, you know, my family's land. It's now owned by Marriott. So these golf courses that we see, right, some of the biggest golf courses in the country, Black cemeteries are hidden there. The vacation resorts on Hill and Head, especially on the north end, that was all black territory at one time. Mitchellville, Mitchellville excuse me, is said to be the first self-governed freedman's county in the United States. And if you go there, you will see a plaque with a Toni Morrison quote on there. Obviously, the town is not in existence. It's not, like, you don't see, like, all these types of stores and homes right in the area. But what it goes to show is, like, there's such history there. And it's off the beaten path. It's not something that is, you know, right out in the front when you drive in. So, yeah, Hillhead is beautiful, but it's, like I said, it often masks black carnage if you don't know where to look. Mm. The new book,
0: Wandering in Strange Lands, a Daughter of the Great Migration. Of course, Drew McCaskill is here as well. And we're here, 866 801 Will you uh, take some calls? Drew, do you have any more questions before I go to the callers? No, you good. Drew had to tell, show us all the pictures on the piano mantle. We can't hear you, sir. So I'm definitely going to the callers while we figure out your audio situation. Let's go to Monica. <laughs> monica there you are hey monica and dc welcome
3: hey karen i love you i just tweeted that i love you monty loves life Karen, you are too funny number one i want to tell you that i love you and i already did and i love the fact that you were able to follow you know um, morgan's crumbs and look up something and say hey i was wrong karen i love you and i love you for that and morgan you need to stay in Karen's ear because she can take you places where people need you to be. Oh, my God. I wish my daughter was in this car to hear what you said, and I believe life is about choices. And just because you listen to some nasty stuff, that doesn't mean you can't go to work in a suit. But, Morgan, you're, you, mm-hmm. you, you told us that you went to public school, but you didn't say you went to Princeton. People need to know that. You can go to Princeton and go to public school. So it was Morgan, Columbia, though. I love you, and you know Uh-oh. that I always do. And, Morgan, I'm loving you, too. And that's all I wanted to say. I love you thank guys. You. Aww, thank you. So thank you so much for Amanda. adding value to my day today. Thank you, thank you so much. And, Karen, this is like my fifth time calling, And it's, it feels like my first because I get so excited when I hear your voice. Thank you for doing it and keep doing it and being so open-minded to things and I love you guys. Have a great day. You too. Thank you, Monica.
2: Show the love on that one.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, I think uh, being right is not is not the goal, right? Learning is the goal, right? Yeah. And and broadening and and you know, my only struggle is that people are so narrow-minded and closed-minded and they just want to be right and they just want to stay in their own bubble of correctness that there's such a vast world to live and you know but what go ahead Morgan are we free
1: to do it? I was going to say I wanted to say when I said Columbia I I teach at Columbia but I went to school at Princeton you did go to Princeton she looked you up I I said she looked you up oh yeah she did oh thank you Monica what I was going to say is that what I appreciate about conversations like this is that We can disagree, but it doesn't have to be vitriolic. We don't have to have ad hominem attacks. And I think with offense incidents online, I sometimes have to be careful because I'm like, just because I disagree does not mean it has to be a drag or humiliation. Someone once told me this, and it's made me think about communication a lot, not even just online, just with people. It's like, are we trying to have a conversation or are you trying to be right? And a lot of times people just want to be right. By any means necessary, scorched earth. And that's not it. We're just sharing our opinions. And it's okay to disagree because we're, we're coming from different disciplines and all that. And it's fine. I like these conversations. Me too.
2: Me too. I like just being there listening to y'all.
1: <laughs> oh, all right. Well, Derek,
0: Derek wants to uh, talk about Miss Lucille spreading <laughs> the clap to everybody. What time <laughs> was she in? We need to, we need to do a cultural anthropological uh, view on who she slept with. Derek in Ohio.
4: Hey, Queen, how you doing? I'm
0: good. What's
4: up? All right. Uh, Welcome to the guest. And and Drew, what's up, my brother? Uh What's going (laughs) on, man? All right. Karen, um, I'm glad you had this topic, even though this is a topic for a year. Uh, But uh, finding a song that they made 100 years ago that was probably hidden, and, and you had to go to a secret place to hear it, and you had just like the stuff we grew up on I grew up on in the 70s. Uh, That wasn't mainstream. You had to go to certain places to get it. It wasn't looked on as something that was the norm and as something that we should accept as the norm. Um, Our young people, not all of them, but Cardi B and different people, you know, I I grew up on the Ice-T and Ice-Cube and all of them. That shouldn't be the mainstream, in my opinion. And and that's what I think that's happening now. We're accepting it as a mainstream, and this is this is the way to get it. And and I just I don't agree with that, and I don't I don't ever want us to agree with things like that.
2: It is what it is,
4: but it's not main for us.
0: I I actually agree with you, my brother, my king. All right, but well, go ahead, Morgan. <laughs> oh, I have to. I want me to say something about that. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. That's all right. You already oh, you man, stated I was just your case.
1: Yeah, I guess I was just taking on because for me, it's like I'm not an historian by institutional training, but I do like looking in the archives. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, yeah, Lucille, Bessie Smith, Lucille Bogan, that's the one who sang the To the Cow from Home song. They, you know, they weren't mainstream at the time because no black artist, for the most part, unless your name was Louis Armstrong or Ella Fitzgerald or Billie Holiday, you weren't really always mainstream like that. I think. What it can do when we look in the past is it complicates our ideas of Black women, how they exert their autonomy then and now, and how it can inform us, the past can inform us of the present. So I think the fear is that for Black people who want to see Black women uplifted, I think for some Black people, they're afraid that showing this type of video is gonna set us back. That presents Black women in a very vulgar way as if that's the, that's the only thing they're good for. Like, have not we progress? Have my ancestors fought harder than this. And what I would like to say about that is like the 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 sexual lives of black women are always fought to begin with and talk about the mainstream because of the stereotypes that precede us. But I think it's so important to have this conversation like this in order to show that when black women make the choice to talk about these things, they're doing it because that's their type of freedom. And their freedom may not look like mine. But I want to give them the space to be able to do that, even if I don't agree. I don't want to have to silence another black woman's work just because it might come in opposition with mine. We can have mm-hmm. a conversation about it and it could be an opposition so that it can inform us of the complexity of black women, period. Even disagreeable black women, even unlikable black women. There should still be a space for that.
0: On that note, Azealia Banks, go. No, I'm just oh. playing. Ace, no, I ain't do it. I ain't do it. No, Man, I, I ain't do know. it. <laughs> I've written about Azalea Banks. We could talk about her, too. We, you, we're you we going to have to have you come back uh, more frequently. <laughs> you know, and this is, you know, for from, from me sitting here every day, I, my goal is to just search the Internet to find people who, who I haven't heard from before that I don't know who I find intriguing, who are doing interesting things, because I think media is very lazy. Producers are very lazy, and they tend to find the people that everybody's talking about you know, everybody, you know, if this person's hot, let's go get the hot person. And I'm like, there's a lot of hotness out there. You just need to like do what you did, follow the breadcrumbs and let's come on home. And these conversations should be had with a multitude of different kinds of people because that's how we round out our view on things. But if we're only right. hearing from the same person, the same type of person, they go to the same well and then they put them on, rinse and repeat every hour, we get the, the you know, the wrong assumption that this is all that...
1: Makes up our intelligentsia and it doesn't. But that's why we got to hold institutions to task. We have the whole music industry to task and say, no, you should be giving a budget to other black women who may not sing about sex, but may sing about, you know, their guitar. And they deserve to have a big budget for their hair and their video and all that. And I think that that is across the board with how black women are treated and how black women can often be pigeonholed or just silenced in general. And that's been a problem in the industry for decades. So I think when we talk about, well turning breadcrumbs and research. And that's what I want people to do for Black women and Black people, period. And to, like, just give us more space because you're going to find a lot there. But if you just go by what's out in front of you rather than what's filtered to you or branded to you, you're going to get lost. So even when I was doing work on Black people, specifically about Black people, I had to go through so many different angles because it just wasn't readily accessible to me. And that's not coincidental. It's just mm. not.
2: When you say that that's not a coincidence, I, I really, that really sort of resonates with me because there are so many headwinds and obstacles to us truth-telling, right, to us telling the truth about our history. I, I want to get your perspective as someone who is writing about the black experience historically and anthropologically in this country. I want to get your perspective on all of the backlash that happened with 1619, as someone who is also
1: white, Oh, my God. And you're a sister, so
2: I need to uh, to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Well, (laughs) if you are telling white people that from the highways you see, the sugar you put in your coffee, to the wealth that's right in your backyard, that's because of my people. Now, of course, white people are going to be upset about that. Anytime you center black lives, and you talk about how near the past is, that makes white people afraid. And that what, What's was the, the fear? What, what are they the afraid fear, of, Morgan? I mean, they're afraid of the truth. They're afraid of not being centered. When your entire existence is seen as the standard, when your existence is seen as what we're always investigating, giving space to, giving complexity to, and all of a sudden you talk about black people, it makes them appear because we are still considered the other. For many white people in the country, we're the outsider, we're the interloper, despite the fact that I can trace my ancestry back more generations than a bunch of white people can, okay? Like, I'm old to land probably more than a lot of them are, and I'm just going to say it, and I'm sure many of you can probably attest to that, too, if you go on Ancestry.com, you know what I mean? The thing is, is that our country, and I hate to say it like this because it sounds speculative and, and, and supernatural, but it's almost like we have a curse. We don't want to reckon with the true devastation of slavery and how it influences today. And when we don't do that, we have these cycles that happen. For example, in the book, I talk about when I went to California and I was at the intersection of Florence and Normandy, and I was with an underground rapper who had witnessed the the Rodney King riots and and I asked him straight up. I said, "Do you think something like this is going to happen again?" Because as you know, in 65 they had the Watts riots, less than 30 years later, they had the Rodney King riots, and he said, and I'm going to paraphrase him here, "If we don't reckon with what this country has done to black communities, to black people, it will happen again." Literally 2 years to the day of when he said that the George Floyd protest happened. So every time we keep seeing this cycle, of black people trying to live autonomously, and it gets curtailed, it gets stamped out, get, we get murdered, we, you know, in cold blood. If the state violence, this displacement of, of bodies, for lack of a better phrase, is because our country doesn't want to reckon with what it has really done to black people. And I'm not just talking about the blackers on Instagram with the black lives matter and the teachers and the mean I mean, really. When you think about the fact that we are the descendants of the enslaved and there have been so many things put in place to annihilate us, we stare at you in the face every single day and people don't want to reckon with it. It makes them nervous. It makes them afraid of what this country really has to do to make things right.
0: On that note, mic drop, Morgan Jerkins, will you promise to come back? Let's let's bring you in more frequently to have these conversations. I would love to come back. (laughs) <laughs> All right, y'all follow her at Morgan Jerkins. Are you related to Rodney and them? That's Probably. my uncle. Is it? okay. So that little girl with the with the meme, the little cute girl that can sing, that's your cousin. That's what she's. That's my cousin. Yes, my cousin. What's it? A Heavenly, I think her name is. Yeah. Oh, adorable. I saw, I know them Jerkins, boy. That's an unusual name. I just saw it in your face just now when I said it, too. Morgan Jerkins, author of Wandering in Strange Lands. Get the book. She's going to be back. She's going to be part of the Karen Hunter Show. I just said it. Thank you for being here today. I love you.